We're in this series. Uh, for, let me say this as well. If you're a first time uh, visitor here, or maybe this is your first time or a long time, or maybe you're watching online for the first time today, uh, I'm Clayton. I'm the pastor here. Let me just say welcome. It is great, great to have you. Hopefully, you're going to hear something today that you can apply to your life and help you grow um, and uh, find peace. So we're in this series, if you didn't watch the bumper just a moment ago, it's called Anxious for Nothing. And just that bumper alone makes me anxious. I don't know about you, but a deep sigh at the end of that bumper video there just makes me anxious. But um, this series is super important to me. In this stage of my life and things that have been going on in my life, um, I've felt anxiety at times. Um, And judging from the response that I received the week one of this message series, um, I think that the same thing is going on in many of your lives as well. Let me stop here and thank Michael Ellis for a great job he did last week uh, preaching the word. Thank you, Michael. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, but then anxiety. Week two, anxious for nothing. This particular installment of this series um, is going to kind of, the emphasis is going to be on praying through the pain. Praying through the pain. Before I dive into the scripture today, I want to acknowledge something uh, that many of you may not or may not have thought about, but it's very true in our lives today. Oftentimes, oftentimes the biggest battles that we're going through in our lives, other people just don't see. Oftentimes the biggest battles that you and I go through on a daily basis, other people just don't see. So often the battles that we're going through are happening here. In our minds. On the outside, we look confident, while on the inside, we're scared to death. On the outside, we look happy, while on the inside, we are depressed or we're fighting back feelings of depression. We're usually fighting our biggest battles in our minds. We look strong on the outside, while on the inside, we're scared. We look happy. Excited on the outside while inside we're fighting back feelings of anxiousness. We put on a happy face. We all do this. Like We all do this. We put on a happy face when we're out in public or when we, we go to work or when we go to church. Especially when we're at church. No one needs to know we're, we're not happy, right? And so we put on this smile and we act like everything is okay while on the inside we're feeling anxious. We're feeling insecure. We're worried. We're feeling fearful or dreadful about something. Oftentimes, we feel the weight of the world on our shoulders, and no one sees it. I don't know about you, but for me, that is the reality that I find myself in from time to time. The text that's kind of driving us through this series is one out of Philippians chapter 4. Paul, who is an apostle of Christ, God literally changed his life, transformed him into something far greater than he could have ever been on his own. The thing that Paul wanted more than anything was to go preach the gospel in Rome. Like Paul wanted to go preach the gospel in Rome. That's what he wanted more than anything. And guess what? When he penned this letter, when he wrote this letter, he found himself in Rome. Unfortunately, it wasn't what he expected though. He was chained to a Roman guard for 24 hours a day because he was imprisoned. When he penned this letter through the instruction of the Holy Spirit, I believe, when he penned this letter... Things were not going good in his life. He didn't know if he was going to live or die. He had been arrested by the Romans, and and he didn't know if he was going to live or die. Didn't know if he was ever going to be freed. He could rot there in prison for the rest of his life. He just didn't know. 
He probably, he was thinking he's probably never going to see the people that he loves so much again. Like all these things are going through his mind. And if you're looking at this from a world perspective, he was justified in feeling anxious and worried, wasn't he? Like if we're looking at this from a worldly perspective, man, it'd be hard not to be anxious in that moment. And it was from this moment, from this reality that Paul found himself in. The feelings of anxiousness and the worry and the uh, what ifs, what if this happens or what if I never get out of here. It was in that moment that he penned these words that I want us to read together today. And I would like to ask you to stand as we read God's word today. Because I really want your attention to be right up here in the front to see what God said through Paul in these words. Paul said this from that feeling of anxiousness, of not knowing what if. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Like, I, to me, I can't even understand how he could write those words in a moment that he found himself in. And Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And he said, if that's not enough, I'm going to say it again. He said, rejoice with an exclamation point. Let your gentleness be evident to all. He says, the Lord is near. If you remember back to week one, why does the Lord whisper to us with a still small voice, the Bible says? Because he's near. And then Paul says, don't be anxious for anything. Or in another translation, he says, be anxious for nothing. But in every situation, literally everything that you're going through, everything you find yourself in, every problem, every trial, every anxious thought, everything you are going through in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and then he says this here's the promise you want to hold on to this like this is something you can put in your, your spiritual tool belt and take it home with you and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, praise God. Let us pray. God, you, you know us. You love us. You are preparing this day for us. And God, I just pray, Lord, that, that you calm our hearts and our spirits this morning as we learn about you and your word. Every situation that's going on that's represented in this room and those that are watching online, wherever they are, whatever's going on, you know them. You know their trials. And I ask you to speak peace over them. In the name of Jesus Christ, we all pray. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So in this series, Be Anxious for Nothing, we need to define what is anxiety. We have to decide what is anxiety. There's a lot of different ways that we can look at this. And I want to acknowledge today that anxiety is very, very real. And it's also very complicated. Anxiety is very real and it's very complicated. Anxiety can be physiological. It can do things to our bodies and make us whatever. Like it can, it can be physiological. It can be emotional. It can be situational. Anxiety definitely can be situational. It can also be spiritual. And as we talk about anxiety today, I want to talk about it from a holistic approach. So we're going to take it all together. We're going to look at it from a holistic approach. And I want to speak from most of all today from a, a spiritual perspective because I'm not qualified to talk about anxiety from a medical standpoint. I'm definitely not a doctor or anywhere close to anything like that. So I cannot speak to this from a medical standpoint. 
But I can talk about anxiety from a spiritual and personal perspective. So as we talk about anxiety as a Christian, it raises some questions. Um, it raises some, some really big questions. The question that I've always had about anxiety is, if I feel anxious, did I fail God? I don't know about you, but if, if, if I feel anxious, I ask the question, did I fail God? Did I do something wrong here? If, I, if I'm anxious, did I mess up, right? Am I letting God down? Am I not living by faith if I feel anxious? Here's what I want you to know today. And listen, this is, this is me. This is what I read from Scripture. This is what I believe with all my heart. I want you to know today that if you're feeling anxious or you feel anxiety, anxiety in and of itself is not a sin. You have not failed God when you feel anxious. Okay? It's what I believe. I believe that's what the Bible reflects as well. It is not a sin to be anxious. But anxiousness or anxiety in and of itself is not a sin. But it's similar to anger, like what you would think about anger. Like anger in and of itself is not a sin. But oftentimes, anger leads us to sin, right? We get angry. We say something to our significant other that we probably don't mean and we should have never said because it, once it's out of our mouth, it breaks someone's heart and, then we, and it's just all crazy from there. Like that's a sin. We shouldn't do that kind of stuff. Or when we're angry, we make decisions that we know we shouldn't make, but we make them anyway because it's going to hurt someone and, and we want them to be hurt because want, we want them to feel what we feel like. That's a, like a cycle of junk that we should never take part in. But that's what anger does to us sometimes. It makes us not think clearly. So anger in and of itself is not wrong, but anger often leads us to sin. Just like anger, anxiety can and often does lead us to sin. But feeling anxiety in a moment doesn't mean that you've let God down or you failed God. I hope that you hear that from me today. So here's the deal. And if I can make this real to you. I have a little Honda Civic. It's a little 2012 Honda Civic sitting right out front. And I love my Honda Civic. I drive it till the wheels fall off of it because it's the first one I bought by myself basically. Um, and it's the first one that I bought with zero miles on it, right? I, I put every single mile on it, primarily myself, and I've paid it off. It's the first car I've ever paid off, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride it until I can't ride it anymore, right? And so uh, that's just, I love my car. I love, you know, everything about it. I'll, I tell people this, but sometimes if you see me at Walmart, I probably left my keys in my car and my car turned on. And here's why. It's a manual shift. If you even know what that means, that means that, that you have to move something. You have to push in a clutch and all that. And so here's the deal. Most people can't drive a manual shift. And so I just leave the keys on and turned on and just leave it sitting around because you probably can't drive it. So some of you can. Uh, some of you can't. I, love, I loved it when I was teaching my wife to drive it, though. <laughs> just praying that the clutch wouldn't go out on it because, you know, <sighs> that's what happens. She drove it this past weekend. She was at a work event this past weekend, and she, she uh, texted me. Actually, she called me and told me that she killed it up in Potwell somewhere. Anyway, uh, don't, you know, I, I love you, sweetheart. Don't, don't hold it against her. She's actually really good at driving my car. But anyway, because it's a 2012 model, there's some little, you know, things about it that are probably not the greatest. But every single time I get in my car, since about, I have 165,000 miles on it. 
Ever since probably about 120,000 miles, there's, there's been this little red light that comes on every time I get in my car, right? Little exclamation point with a little parentheses around it. And in the beginning, I thought, oh my goodness, I'm about ready to lose my car. It's, it's going bad, like there's something bad, terribly wrong with it. What I realized is, is that it's a tire sensor, right? So it's just telling me that there's something wrong with my tires. But the truth is, there's nothing wrong with my tires. The tire sensor has just gone bad. And they're wanting an ungodly amount of money to fix it. So I just let it go. Who cares if that little red light comes on? But here's the deal. Every time I get in my car and that little red light pops up, guess what happens? A little bit of anxiety right here in the old heart, right? Maybe for you, it's not a little exclamation point. What happens when you're getting in your car and the engine light comes on? Check engine soon. What does that do to you? You start seeing dollars in your eyes just start roll over and over, right? You're thinking, this is terrible. What's going to happen? You know, I'm going to have to get this thing fixed. I don't have the money right now. What's going on with it? No one can even tell me what's going on with it. And they're wanting too much money. Who do I trust? And all that. All these things start coming up in your mind when you start seeing that check engine light. For me, it's that little red exclamation point. But here's the deal. Here's the thing. That little red exclamation point is not the problem, right? That little red exclamation point is that little red light is signaling me that there's something wrong and it would be very wise if I, had, if I took my car to someone that knows more about it, right? So that little red signal light is telling me I need to take my car back to the dealership or I need to take my car back to the creator because the one who made it will know how to fix it. You hear where I'm coming from? You, you, you get what I'm throwing down here right now. The thing is, anxiety in your life is just a signal alerting you that it's time for you to go back to the one who made you because he'll know how to fix you. Does that make sense? Are y'all with me today? Anxiety is just a signal. The one who made you will know how to fix you. Anxiety is a signal alerting you that it's time to pray. Anxiety is a signal that's alerting you that it's time to pray. It's time to take what's on your mind to the one who made you. Don't be anxious about anything, Paul would say, but in every situation, pray. In other words, if it's big enough to worry about, then it's big enough to pray about. Amen? Big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. What's on your mind? Is it your finances? Because you feel like that there, there's not enough money to get you through the month? Is it your marriage because you've just been struggling with your spouse for so long you really don't know what to do about it? Is it your children because they keep making crazy, ridiculous decisions and having to live with those consequences and you just wish they would listen to you and stop making all those crazy decisions? Is it your kids going back to school and you're worried about keeping them healthy and you're worried about COVID? You're worried about all these things and making sure that all, you know, all these things don't happen in your kids' lives. What are you worried about today? Whatever it is, pray about it. Whatever it is, pray about it. Because if it's on your mind, then it's on God's heart. If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. What is anxiety? Anxiety is a signal alerting you that it's time to pray. If you don't hear anything else today, hear me when I say anxiety is a signal alerting you that it's time to pray. In this scripture that Paul gave us, Paul says this. He says, take your requests to God. 
Here's something that, that I've learned as a pastor. Like over the years, there's one thing that I've learned pretty well. It's that um, I recognize that, that when I ask people to pray, sometimes they really just don't know how to pray. Maybe you've never prayed before and you just really don't know how to pray. I recognize that people honestly struggle with praying because they think that there's some type of prayer rules that you have to follow in order to pray. If that's you, you don't have to laugh, you don't have to snicker, you don't have to look around, see if anyone's looking at you because at at an audience this size, I guarantee that at least 50% of you are thinking right now, well, I don't know how to pray because I, I just don't do it often enough. And what are the rules in praying, right? There have to be some kind of weird rules. How do I address God? Do I have to pray in King James language? Thou art Father, you art with me, art Father, thou art. Beloved Jehovah Jireh, Father. Right? Do we have to pray like that? Is that, the, is that the part of the prayer rules? In order for us to pray, we have to be able to pray in King James language. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You've been around people that you would consider professional prayers before. When they start praying and they start praying all these amazing things and they're quoting scripture and God, you said this and so you're going to give me that because you said this over here and all that. And you're thinking God's up in heaven like, wow, that's a good prayer. Like, like that's how it feels to you. You're like, my prayer is just... They stink. They're just not this good. Like, that's why God's not answering my prayer, because I can't pray like he prays. Like, have you ever heard those prayers? Like those people. Is it intimidating to you? It's intimidating to me. There are people literally that I love so dearly that literally just cry out to God and just, hey, God, it's me. I'm here again. I'm needing something. Or, hey, God, I just want to thank you. Guess what? There is no cookie cutter appropriate best way to pray. Like no one has the book that says this is how you pray to God in order to get your prayers heard and answered. And if they tell you that there is, they're lying to you. There is no, everyone has to pray this way. Now Jesus gave us an example we can read in Matthew and we can read in the Gospels, the Lord's Prayer. He gave us an example to help us know how to pray or to give us the confidence that we need to pray. But there's no best practice in regards to prayer. Now, there are a lot of people that have dedicated their lives to prayer and like they have good examples. They have good ways that they've learned how to pray and all that. And I'm not discrediting that at all because if you have a book that says this is how to pray or this is the best way to pray or whatever, you should read the book and, and, and you should use it as a guideline because, I mean, there's, everyone's going to pray in different way. But people that seem to have the spiritual gift of prayer, like it's just hard sometimes. It makes you feel intimidated. So the question is, how do you pray? Here's what Paul says. Paul says to pray about everything. If it's on your heart, then it's on God's mind. And then he goes on to say, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he says, Present your request to God. Present your request to God. I don't love that translation, to be honest with you. I don't, act, I don't absolutely love that trans, translation. There are different ways to interpret original Greek. I'm not a Greek scholar. I need to go ahead and tell you that up front. But I hope that you know that the original scripture was not written in English. All right? Just throwing that out there. As a matter of fact, um, there are scholars, biblical scholars, that dedicate their lives to interpreting scripture. Biblical scholars dedicate their entire lives to interpreting scripture. But you know what they say? They say, I think this is the best translation. I think from the original language, this is the best way that I can relate this to English for us today. 
And I hope that you also know, contrary to popular belief, that the King James 1611 version of the Bible is not the only translation of Scripture. Okay? Just throwing that out there. There are many other really good, faithful to original language, Scripture, and, and biblical interpretations. So please... If you're struggling, I have to say this, I'm sorry, it's not a part of what I wanted to say today, but if you're struggling with your Bible reading and, and really trying to figure out how to interpret Scripture and apply it to your life, and you're still reading King James Version of the Bible, I'm going to challenge you to change a translation to another faithful translation to the original language and figure out how that affects your life and whether or not you can, you can apply it easier. Nothing against King James, promise I'm not you know, degrading it at all, but I just want you to know that there are other ways that you can read the Bible that are going to be more applicable to your life. Throwing it out there. I love, uh, what I'm currently reading is NLT, New Living Translation. I love the NLT. I, I think my, my, my biblical life, my, my time in the scriptures changed dramatically when I started re reading NLT. That's only one of many. We use NIV a lot here to preach from because I enjoy that as well. Anyway, so the way that the NIV interprets this particular phrase from the original language is present your request to God. And, and I just don't, don't think that that's the best way to interpret that, just from my humble opinion. Because it doesn't show a lot of closeness between you and, and the one that you're presenting your request to, right? And I know that God is a loving God, and I know He loves us, and He's close to us. And so what the text is really saying here is, about how do you pray? The text is really saying, let your needs be known. Just let your needs be known. And how do we, how do, we do that? Well, it's very simple. You just let your needs be known, right? It's not, sci it's not science. It's not, not you know, it, it's, it's very simple. Let your needs be known. Let your needs be known. You talk to God the way that he has enabled you to talk to him. In other words, it doesn't have to be in my way. As a pastor, if you hear me pray, don't try to mimic me and do exactly how I pray because I pray because that's the way I feel best praying, right? You may not pray like me. You may not pray like my wife. You may not pray like Stephen Furtick. You may not pray like any of these people that you see on, on, on YouTube or in other church services, and that's okay, it's okay not to pray that way. And here's how I want to make it real to you today. I have two kids, Lincoln and Elena, okay? And they both are very unique in their own ways. They both communicate with me in their own special way because that's how they're designed to communicate with me. My son, he's got a very tender heart, like super tender hearted, gets his feelings hurt really easy. He can be rough. He can be loud. He can be rambunctious, absolutely. But usually when he comes to me and wants something, if you don't know my son, like he has like great eyelashes that just kind of go on for days. And so if you, you know, when he comes to me and asks me for something, all he does is has to bat those eyes and look, Daddy, can I have your phone? Yes, son, take it. You don't have to give it back. <laughs> because that's how it feels, right? That's, that's the feeling that just yesterday, my wife was out of town this weekend and, and at a retreat for um. Uh, her work. And so I spent Friday and Saturday with my kids and, and it was just such a special time together. But um, more times than not, Lincoln was just, every time he wanted something, he'd just come up and smile real big and just ask me for something very nicely. Now my daughter, on the other hand, when she wants something, she grunts and points. And if you don't get it for her, she screams really loud until you do, right? 
That's just what my daughter does because sometimes she'll ask and her vocabulary is growing a lot and pretty rapidly as a matter of fact. And so sometimes she'll actually tell us what she wants, but most of the time it's just pointing and screaming, right? If you don't get it, she gets frustrated and she screams. Sometimes I think that's what we do to God too, right? Don't we? We just point and scream. I want that. I want that. I want that. But here's the thing with Lincoln and Elena, they both communicate with me in different ways, but guess what? When they ask me for something, most of the time I give it to them. Regardless of how they ask me, I give it to them because they both communicate with me in different ways. But each time that they communicate with me, I respond. And the way that each of us communicate with God is going to be unique to who we are. It's going to be unique to us. You can ask Him. Like you can just flat out go to Him in prayer and ask Him. But some of you, it's hard to put into words what's on your heart. So guess what? You can also write it down. Did you know that you can pray in writing? You can literally write your request out to God, or you can write your praise out to God. Some of you, you're really good at singing, and you, or maybe you're not so good, but you love to do it anyway. You can sing your request to God. It's possible. Definitely possible. Some of you can, when you just don't know what to say at all, you can sigh your request to God. Like, God already knows what's on your heart. Whatever it is, He already knows. When you can't make words come out of your mouth, He knows what's on your heart. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit actually intercedes on our behalf. Whenever we don't know what to say, a deep sigh sometimes will suffice. God knows your heart. One of the best things I've seen lately is a little thing, a picture I saw on Facebook um, where it said, dear God, at the top, and then four or five different teardrops on the page, and then it said, amen, at the bottom. Like, God knows. God knows what is on my heart. He knows what I'm struggling with. He knows what I'm thankful for. He knows what I can't let go of. He knows me. Some of you are angry. Some of you are angry, and I want you to know that God is big enough to handle your temper tantrum. Sometimes it's hard for me as a parent when my kids are having a temper tantrum, but I just step back a lot of times. Sometimes my wife's like, no, you don't. You scream and go on just like them. But anyway, I like to step back and just let it, let it all happen. That's what I would like to do most of the time. Let it all happen, and then when it's all calmed down, be like, it's probably not the best way for you to have asked for that thing that you didn't get. But guess what? God is big enough to handle your temper. He's big enough to handle your anger. He's big enough to handle whatever it is that you have toward him. Sometimes we get angry because we don't understand. Like, why did this happen? Why did I get that news? Why did my friend get that news? Why don't I have enough money? I'm working every day. I'm struggling. I'm trying so hard. Why is it? Maybe you're in the medical field. I was talking to one of my good friends. I won't call her out by name. But it's in the medical field and and has been working so hard over the past year and a half. Got COVID recently because of her time in the medical field taking care of all of us. And it'd be easy to step back and say, why? Like, why? I get angry at people because just just do the right thing and get out of this. Like, you know, why is this continuing to happen? It's easy for us sometimes to get angry. Sometimes we even get angry at God. Here's what I want you to see today. As I, I, I don't care if you tell my kids this. I don't care if they know this or not. 
I like to be needed by my kids. I actually love it when my kids ask me for things. Except when I'm sitting down watching TV late at night and I want them to bother me because I want to go to the kitchen, right? I can't wait till Lincoln gets a little bit older so he can pour his own drinks and all that. But I like to be needed by my kids. I like to be wanted by my kids. How much more does our Heavenly Father, who gave His life for us, want to be needed by His kids? Like how much more our Heavenly Father that loves us and loves for us to come to Him and make our requests known to Him. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your needs be made known. What is anxiety? It's a signal alerting you that it's time to go to the one that loves you. Go to the one who created you. Go to the one who can help you. It's a signal alerting you that it's time to pray. Now, Peter, being one of the disciples, I don't know, has anybody watched um, uh, The Chosen? Anybody? It's, a YouTube, it's on YouTube. There's an app that you can download called The Chosen. If you haven't watched it yet, like it's about Jesus calling his 12 disciples and a bunch of miracles that he does. And I'm telling you, out of all of the, all the Jesus movies I've ever seen, it's one of the best. It's just, it's just phenomenal. My wife and I cry every single episode. Every episode. We've read the stories, but to see it you know, come out, depicted on screen, is just amazing. But one of the prominent figures, one of the prominent disciples in this series is, is um, Peter. And, and he's just, you know, he's, we can all probably relate to Peter more than we know, but, but Peter talked about anxiety and how he handled it. And I love the way that he did so. Peter's a guy that likely had some anxiety in his life. And you could tell that by the way that he lived his life. But here's what Peter said to do when you're feeling anxious. When you're feeling anxious, Peter said this. He said, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Focus on the hand for a moment. We're going to come back to that. Just keep that in mind. But humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up. Not you lifting yourself up. That he may lift you up in due time. See, that's contrary to what we want, right? We want it now. Give it to me now. Just like my daughter Elena. I'm not worried about what you're talking about right now. I can't even understand half of what you're saying. Just give me the drink now. Give me the iPad now. Give me the whatever now. Give me the toy now. That's what we want. But Peter says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And then he says, he goes on to say, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Not some, don't compartmentalize and say, I'm going to give God this over here, but I'm going to keep this to myself. Cast all your anxiety on him. So the question is today, are you feeling anxious? Do you feel weight on your shoulders? Do you feel it on your chest? Do you, are you afraid today? Like, what are you scared of? We're going to take a holistic approach to anxiety. And that means that some of you are experiencing anxiety and likely you need to talk to a professional. Like, listen, I'm telling you, I have been in a place in my life before where I've talked to a professional. Professional counselor, psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever it may be. It is not a sin to seek help. You are not faithless by seeking help. No one should look down on you by calling someone that could help you, whether it be a psychologist, psychiatrist, a counselor, a best friend, a parent, whatever it may be. 
you are not lesser of a person or a Christian for seeking help. I hope you know that today. He says, although we're going to do those things and we're going to take it to somebody that can help us, we may need to talk to a professional, we're always going to pray about it. We're always going to go back to the Creator, the one who cares for us, the one who loves us, the one who created us. So what do we do? We humble ourselves and pray. That's what I've been doing a lot in this season of my life. That's what I've been doing a lot. You know, um, two months ago, basically, on the 18th of July, I shared with you guys that God was leading my wife and I and our family out of eastern Kentucky. I shared with you that I didn't know what the future holds. I, 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 don't know, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I just knew that this was a calling from God. And if you know anything about a calling from God, you know you have to do it. If you don't do it, you're miserable and your life is not going to be okay. <laughs> when God calls you to something, you do it. You just do it. And so leaving our friends and family is going to be very hard. So this season has been very difficult to think through and to pray through and to figure out how to navigate. With the scare of COVID in our community, guys, we've lost more people than we should have ever had to lose. We've lost great, amazing people. We've gr lost great, amazing family members. Many of you that are sitting in this room right now know people that you've lost to COVID this year or last year. And that stinks. It's not cool. A few weeks ago, we got news that one of our good friends was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. Nobody wants that. So we pray about it. We just pray, God, please help us. We don't have the answers. We don't know. But we pray about it. We must let our needs be made known to our loving Father. And so this morning, I want to share with you some news and an update about our family. Um, it's an answer to a prayer for us. Uh, but one of the opportunities that we've been looking into and um, that God had presented to us uh, a, a, over a month ago, it's been a while actually, uh, someone called me up, a friend of mine, mutual friend, and told me about an opportunity available at Southeast Christian in Louisville, um, Southeast Christian Church. And um, I started about a month ago, I started going through the process. We applied for this particular family pastor sort of position that they were offering in a church plant, very similar to our size, and, um, but the demographic is very diverse in this area. Um, but I've been praying through that and going through the interview process, and on Tuesday of this past week, uh, they called and offered me the, the, the opportunity, and I've accepted. And so we're still working out all the details, um, but it looks like that we'll be transitioning out around 1st of November. And so it's very bittersweet for us, the people that I've talked to um, over the past week that I love dearly. Uh, it's been a very bittersweet time to talk through what it means for us to transition and then also um, what it means to bring in a new person into Warehouse Church and, and all of that. So it's very bittersweet for all of us. But at the same time, I want you to know we love you guys so much with all of our hearts. We love you. And we're so thankful for you. And I'm excited about the next few weeks and month or so that we have together. And, um, but it's especially where God has shown me so much, and especially in times like this, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. And so whenever there's anxiety, it's a signal alerting us that it's time to pray. It's time to go back to the one who created us. It's time to go to God in prayer. The question is today, as the folks come up, 
the band comes up, but um, do you feel down today? Are you feeling overwhelmed today? Are you feeling like you're drowning or sinking today? You feel like there's just too much going on in your life. Peter said this, humble yourselves therefore and pray. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand. And I love the imagery there. I love the idea and the imagery there because that he might lift you up. And that's going to mean so much to you if you know and recognize the one who's writing it, Peter the disciple. Peter was the one who was on a boat one time. And Jesus came walking on the water and Peter said to Jesus, bid me to to step out of the boat onto the water. Like, allow me to step out of this boat onto the water. And Jesus said, okay, okay, Peter, step on out. Step on out. And that's exactly what Peter did. Peter stepped out of the boat and he stepped onto the water. And what was he doing? Peter was walking on water as well. He's walking on water when he realizes the wind and the waves are starting to crash down around his feet. So Peter's walking on water. He starts seeing the wind and the waves. And guess what? Anxiety started taking over. What if? What if I go under the water? What if I drown? What if the waves take me under? What if? Anxiety took over Peter in this moment. And so what did he do? What did Peter do? He took his eyes off of God. He took his eyes off of Jesus and he started to sink. But what did, what did Jesus do? Like in a moment like this, what I think Jesus would have done, like Peter, you have no faith, man. Like I've been around you all this time and you can't even hold yourself on top of the water looking at me. Like you call yourself a follower of me. Like why would you do it? You're, you're worthless. You're, you're nobody. Like that's what I would think, right? That's what would go on up here. When I said Most of what you go through on a daily basis happens right here in your mind. Most of the struggles and the trials that you go through happen right here. That's what I tell myself. Clayton, you're you're faithless. Like, why is anxiety creeping in? Like, why are you feeling depressed today? Like, you're not even a like you're not even a Christian. You're allowing all this stuff to make you take your eyes off Jesus? Like, you're not. You're not even a Christian. But that's not what Jesus said. Hear me when I say this. Like, that's definitely not how Jesus replied to Peter when Peter took his eyes off of him. What did Jesus do when Peter started feeling anxious? What did Jesus do? Jesus reached out his mighty hand and grabbed a hold of Peter's hand and lifted him up. Can you see it in your mind? Uh, Can you see it in your head right now, in your heart? When Jesus was sinking, I'm sorry, when Peter was sinking, Jesus reached out his mighty hand, grabbed a hold of Peter, and lifted him up. So the problem here that we're looking at, like the problem in our lives, is likely not that you're sinking. The problem is likely not that you're falling under the water. The problem is... Listen to me, that you haven't lifted up your hand yet to grab hold of the hand that is ready and willing to lift you up. You see it? The problem is not that you're sinking. The problem is not your anxiety. The problem is that you haven't surrendered to the one who's ready to lift you back up. That's the problem. 
Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything or anxious for nothing. And fill it in. Whatever you think you're anxious about right now, fill it in the gap. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. The peace of God will guard you. Peace of God, not your peace. doesn't come from you. doesn't come from me. doesn't come from the world. And therefore, the world can't take it away. The peace of God will guard your heart. Here's my question. Here's my next step for you today. You want to take a step in your faith today? Here's my step for you. Those of you that need peace right now in your life, if you're looking for peace that transcends all understanding about something that you're feeling anxious about or many things that you're feeling anxious about, I want you to stand up right now. Just stand up in this place. Maybe you're watching online right now and you're looking for peace. I'm asking you to just simply stand up wherever you are. If you need peace in your life, just stand up. You're feeling anxious about something. You're feeling anxious about a problem or about a situation. Just rise to your feet. Rise to your feet. You understand that today that there's no storm that God can't bring you through. I hope that you understand today that there's no obstacle that God can't help you overcome. There's no enemy that God won't help you defeat. Amen? No heartache that God won't heal in your life. His name is Jesus, and the very mention of His name makes evil flee. So when I say Jesus, even a whisper breaks through my doubt until all my fear is gone. His name is Jesus, and He is reaching out His hand to lift you up today. And so here's what I ask you to do. You've already stood up. Those of you that are watching online, maybe you're standing in your living room or your kitchen right now, your dining room. You're already standing. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask you to be so bold as I pray to lift your hand up. Just lift your hand. Be so bold as to lift your hand up to him. He's already there willing to take your hand and lift you out of the anxiety, the depression, the stress, the anxiousness. So I'm asking you now, even in this room, while, I'm st- while you're standing here, lift your hand up. Just lift your hand up, close your eyes, and let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day, and thank you for these people. God, you see your people. You see people all in this room. You see people all over the internet, people that are watching from their homes today, that are simply standing and lifting their hand to you, because your word teaches us that your mighty hand will lift us up. We're lifting our hands up to you so you can take hold of us, God. That means we're surrendering today to you, God, so that you can take hold of us, lift us up out of the mess that we've likely created in our own lives. Hear the prayers of your people. Lift us up, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. This is our time. The altar's open. This is a place for us to to, to pray. You can pray from your seat. You can pray from wherever you are today. But let's... Let our requests be made known to a loving Father that cares for us. Would you all stand, please?